This podcast is in no way affiliated with the Stars Production or Diana Gabaldone. All views expressed are solely our own. Welcome to the Outlander Podcast, where the men are kilted, the women are winsome, and the whiskey is neat. Welcome to episode 330, Summer, of the Outlander Podcast. Oh, I'm Ginger. <laughs> you did that wrong. No, I'm Ginger. And I'm Summer, and we are in love with all things Outlander. Yes. This episode, we'd like to thank co-producer Jillian G. To find out more about how you could become a co-producer, visit outlanderpod.com slash Patreon. Summer, you have any announcements? Wash your hands, people. Wash them. 20 seconds. And from what I understand, this Skyboat song is an excellent. And it could be even cold water. Numerator? Counter? Who can say? It's whatever you want. Do it for 20 seconds. Get under your nails. Your nails are filthy, people. And, you know... Let's just figure out how to live with one another. All right. This week, we are discussing episode 505, entitled Perpetual Adoration. So we've seen in different seasons, there's been pictures of churches. We've even been in churches and been in appies and then even spent time in a lopital connected to a church. But in my view, this is the first I'm not saying they didn't say God existed or anything like that. But to me, this is the first literal acknowledgement of religion in the show. Am I wrong? Um, I mean, they talked about God. He's he, he, He's been there. It's been there, but it's not. He's been there. <laughs> it's, but it's not been. She's been there, Ginger. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry. She, he. Yes. My honestly, my major issue with this episode honestly was editing. I okay. It was, is it a gen? Is it a general thing, or is it? To be honest, I had a few issues with this episode, but editing was such a weird choice because the way they spliced in the '60s was odd, and it didn't make sense, and it left me questioning things all the way through. Now, while I was super happy to get the Menzies storyline right, and I was also super happy to get more Joe, and to get the callback to. Uh, what should have been season two uh, with the book, right? From yeah, the... Getting them to go to Scotland. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Love it. So all of those things, I enjoyed them, but the editing and the way that they spliced it in was odd and it was hard to follow. For a book reader, it was hard to follow. That's true. I'd be very curious to hear from you non-book readers uh, or show-only watchers thus far, hopefully, if it was hard to follow for you guys or if it was confusing at all. So... To to sum up what I said about this, it's that's probably a little bit hyperbole. It's not the first time God's been mentioned, and there's been churches, like I said. But it was it was really heavy, almost like talking not heavy too much, heavy like thematically, right? It was it, and I, I have some quotes near the end that I that I wrote down because it was just it was so beautiful. And this is this this episode, as quote unquote God heavy as it was, and time heavy as it was, that's. Not every single chapter, but that is much closer to the tone of the books. Wouldn't you agree? Um, it's, yeah. It's not heavy I mean, every chapter. Just, no, it's not. But it's always it's always there. Kind of laced. Yes. That's it. Throughout. That's it. Because our author is religious. And so is, well, the book, Jamie. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't think it was 
it was not one and done like they showed us a church and they showed us or whatever. But what I'm trying to get at is that it was a stay with it depiction and theme within an episode. And I love it. And again, I didn't have a problem with them inserting religion. That is, I want, I want to be clear with stating that inserting religion into it, into an established, no, that was not the problem. My issue was the way they inserted it. Yeah. Because when they chose to show Claire going to the the 60s was odd because they could have taken those moments and had them interspersed within Claire's moments. But they interspersed them with Jamie's, which was weird. That's true. And it's, hard it's confusing. to follow. Yeah. And they had a whole scene. And I, I know this is jumping ahead, but they had a whole scene where they mentioned perpetual adoration. Yeah. Being adoration. A focus. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. Um, whatever. Don't be sorry. Being a focus of this patient who passed before he ever mentioned it to her. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. When did he say that? And he hadn't yet because they didn't show that. Oh, I didn't notice moment. that. You didn't? How did you not notice that? I didn't know that it was because I knew what she was doing in the church. So it, I, I, it didn't like face me. Maybe I took it for granted. I don't know. Something else that stood out to me. And I mean, I think it probably stood out to every viewer. But to, for book readers, I think it will have stood out especially. And that is the, I don't want to say theory, but the, the theme or the, or the whatever of God as time. That straight from the book. Love it, love it, love it. Right. A lot of it. I mean, so much of this. I mean, you could argue a lot of it's placed differently, but you could argue a lot of season five is diggity, like very decently straight from the book. Decently. Sure. And maybe that's just like course correction, like a lot of things. Oh, we got some stuff to tell you about that too, honey. Just wait. Okay. Okay. Don't yell at me. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at me. Not mock, not mock in mock excitement. Like you just wait. But I honestly, I hated, I super hated, I hated, I'm going to say it again. I hated it. I hated the fact that they opened the whole thing with a cold open with them saying God did X, Y, Z. And then the implication that all the work that Claire has put in to the science of finding penicillin was literally a fluke that was given to her by God. I didn't get that at all. Really? Because no. it opened with her sitting in the church and talking about God giving X, Y, and Z. And then they cut over to her finding penicillin. Like the only reason she found it was because No, God. see, I didn't see God in that, meaning I didn't see them tied, that it was only God. The the connection I made, probably more so in the second viewing, was that she had finally found it and she had a chance. And maybe we didn't know right away. I don't think we knew right away. Because, okay, all you see is her in a church. You find out later on she's there for a perpetual adoration. We don't know right. at the beginning that she's there for to kind of commune with. Well, and you don't know when it happens. Is this post Frank's death? Is it oh, pre yeah. Frank's death? Yes. I mean, you don't. There's no concept of time. There's not a little a screen thing that says like Boston 19 whatever blah blah blah. And that's why I thought. That the, the first time through, definitely I could see it being more confusing. But I think the second time through, what I saw it as was Claire's, tu- Claire's turn. That's not the right language, but another opportunity to use penicillin. And not that, it, not that her using it successfully, because that's not up to her, right? She can't control who reacts to it and who doesn't. But 
an opportunity to hopefully have a good reaction to save the boys, save the boys, to help the boys out, right? The the yeah. Beardsleys. To not make up for the death of Menzies, but as she says at the very end, and I, I don't want to get ahead, but at the very end, she says that, or no, sorry, she tells she tells Jamie, I didn't, she says, I didn't put it together until now that Menzies, I owe him a lot without his death. I would, he wouldn't have gone here, done this, done that, found Roger, found you, come back. So she puts all these things together. And so it's not just about the penicillin. It's about her, again, God as time. Is It's so, there's so many things you could read into it, but I almost felt it as like second viewing, like a second chance. But you, you can't, you can't know that at the first one or even think that because you don't know what it is. It's all just Eureka. It's, it's like yes. trying to add order to chaos. And sometimes chaos is just chaos. Like, there is no 100% promise or guarantee that she's ever going to find penicillin. Ever. If it's a regional place, you don't know if it's a penicillin that naturally occurs only in one place. So that could have been the reason that the original founder of penicillin found it because they happened to be in a place that had the thing. I don't I don't know if it's regional. I don't know if it's everywhere. I will just finish by saying I'm so not organized religion personally that discounting science, especially right now, is so like big for me. In the opening, this is what I this is what what my initial notes were. As soon as we saw Claire, 1960s Claire, like Summer said, I didn't know if it was pre-Frank, post-Frank, what? Yeah, no. Right? So I I didn't know. And so I got so emotional. <laughs> I, I got to cry, right? but I got you thought you were going to have a Tobias moment? No, she was in the church. I didn't think Tobias. I just, but I, but with that, that unknown, unknown, the unknown was exciting. And also I was emotional. Well, to be fair, and then you realize when Claire, Joe showed up, I almost shit my pants because, <laughs> well, let's okay. wait till he gets here right. and you can tell us how. So we don't yet know why she's there. Maybe, she, maybe this she's is her church. thing. Maybe, we, maybe the show added it. We, we don't know yet, but she recaps how her, her in her voiceover she recaps how her prayers had been answered before so we're led to believe at least on first viewing that she's there praying and wants her prayers answered correct and this edit didn't bother me because it literally fed directly into fast the fast forward but fast back right so it's like it's forward but back so then we're taken to the ridge and she eureka right. and can we talk about for two seconds, how Lauren Lyle looks like a Disney character. I don't know what it was about this scene, but her eyes and how like animated she was, she literally just looked like a Disney She's just, I think, becoming my my favorite of the show. I, I just, after Tobias, I just, she's so, she really, I don't want to say steals the scene, but she makes her mark in every scene. You cannot ignore her. She is just no. a life. She's so, she does everything in such natural, a natural that's it, way. Natural, natural. That's it. Yeah. Like no, nothing feels like it's a forced moment or that it is. I was told I had to say it this way. So I said it this way. Like everything kind of comes in a, in a, uh, what's the word? It's not natural. There's another word, uh, organic. It's just such an organic progression and the way, the way her lines come out and the way just 
everything about her just feels organic to me. So in this Eureka moment, we she finds out she finds out she finds penicillin. She discover not discover well, I guess she does discover it. She discovers it. She say did she say paintbrushes? It sounded like paintbrushes. Because the the image didn't really look like paintbrushes, but it sounded like paintbrushes. And honestly, once we get to the point where I can hit the closed captions on my stars app, I will I will know for sure. But I feel like she said paintbrushes. That's what I thought I heard. Okay, that's fair. And so, yeah, and this is that scene you're saying, uh, Lauren Lyle, I agree 100% everything you said. Now, listening to the to the intro fits with the essence is exactly what Summer said. I, I agree. Fits with the rather religious opening. And mm. if you've read the book. And for the first time, this, the opening sequence music made sense to me. How's that? Because oh. it sounded churchy and they were got in a it, church. It, like it, 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 the whole it. thing was like, it felt organic. Like the flow was there for me. Like I didn't, I, to be fair though, it's, we're five weeks in, I'm used to it, but it oh, flowed really nicely. I have to. Sorry, Kate. Again, you're 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 taking my words. I misread what I wrote. What I meant to say was exactly what you said. Listening to the intro again. When I say intro, I mean the music, right? The the right. intro music. The um credits. Like oh, credits are at the end. Anyway, opening credits. I guess listening to the intro fits with this rather comparably religious opening. And if you've read mm. the book, okay, it's with a respectful, not playful the music sound and that's what you that's what you're hearing right like this yeah this version of the music or sorry this version of the intro absolutely follows like probably more perfectly than it has thus far i hate to say this but i feel like my word or my adjective for this episode is organic it no that's okay that's good it was just it flowed well except not the editing Uh, no no not that but the beginning section with making it churchy and to be honest, making the whole episode churchy to a degree worked for the theme this week for me because it wasn't me going, what? Yeah. Cause and, and again, like I said, I'm pretty used to it now. I don't, I don't, I never hated it. I was just confused and I thought it was a missed opportunity. After that ends and we go into the episode, what we start with is we get a clair- lot of Clairvio this episode. We get Claire Vio that is that talks about how time, and this is again, I believe, straight from the book, time is things that people say God is. And we see a lot, and while she's speaking, we see a lot of scenes from all four seasons. And that to me was emotional because it's taking you back to when she's with Frank, when she first met Jamie, when, when she fell through the stones and was freaked out, you know, all these things and how she, and then the print shop, we have the the, the shot of her, her, the camera looking up mm. at her face. And I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. it was so emotional for me. That's where I had to, this was the only editing in the episode that worked that you for me. liked <laughs> because, because Aww. to me, it felt like this is the, this and is again, the it's recap. Still religious. The, yeah. The, I know. This is the episode recap that everyone needs. Yes, leading up to season five. Like this yes. is this is That's everything funny. that the char- that those two characters have gone yeah. through together leading up to this moment. So, that, like I said, that editing moment worked for me. So during this VO, where we're seeing these different scenes from the first four seasons, what is also included in her VO is the words that are said spoken by the priest or the person giving the um, communion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Person who puts the ashes on your forehead. Um, is it remember man, literally remember man, like as in mankind, remember man, thou art dust and to dust thou wilt, thy wilt, thou wilt. 
you will return, basically. And that's Ash Wednesday oh was like God. two or three weeks ago. This is like, it was. I, don't, I don't know if stars like planned it, planned it. But all I'm saying is diggity. This was like very and we're in Lent right now. It's so. Oh, and then Claire and then we that's the end of it. And then somebody ruined Lent for me online. How do you ruin Lent online? You don't even and practice I don't Lent. Care. I, I don't. You're right. I don't. But I'm saying they ruined it for me because of this whole coronavirus nonsense. There was somebody on there going. It was this whole video and I don't remember what it was, but they were like, you know, not everyone's going to die from COVID, blah, blah, blah. But you're all going to die. <laughs> and entering into Lent season, you know, they have the guy put the ashes on your forehead and you were like, you came from dust, from dust shall return. Like it was that whole thing. And I was like, I didn't need to make that connection with this, you know, very. But that's every year. Effective moment. I, it is. But it's it's effective this year, especially. So it just, it, it was kind of like, Meh. so we go from that and that, that was again, an emotional part for me there. I definitely had tears. I was a cry, but I had tears in my eyes. Um, and then Such we go baby. clear, clear. We go to clear, uh, staying in the sixties. We Claire and Brie, uh, meet up and they're going to go to lunch. Claire tells her that tell, Claire tells Brianna that she's lost a patient to an allergic reaction to penicillin. Now <laughs> I, have, I have a question for you. Okay. Having the patient have died from taking penicillin, right? Makes sense. Yes. And they were able to link it in this episode. And maybe that's why. But that's not how he dies in the book. In the book, she does take, or it's suggested that she takes, a leave of absence. But it's not so that she can come to terms with what's happened. In the book, she's, we're led to believe she's borderlined, almost not quite let go. Because they're doing an investigation or whatever it is. But yes, it's basically a type of euthanasia. Okay. That, that's, that was my recollection. I was like, Menzi, that's a huge freaking change. It is. It doesn't change that the fact that she left and the fact that she goes to um, Scotland or London, whatever. I'm sure that ultimately, storyline wise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, That's what I mean. I don't think it matters. And by making it penicillin... It makes it even more included in this episode. Right. So it allows them to continue to yes. include it, which it's honestly every time they and I've reached this point now, especially with this episode, that every time they include something from the book, it's just like a <laughs> Easter egg for the book readers. <laughs> everything oh my else, gosh, there's so much. Everything else feels like, huh, what's that? Oh, oh, that was a choice. So, I mean, it's like. I don't know. There was just a lot. And like I said, everything that is book specific now feels like Easter eggs and everything else is what, you know, non-book readers don't care about. So back on the ridge, Roger and Bree are having cuddles. So this is Roger after he's returned with Claire. That's one positive to being sent home. You get to boof your wife. Boff your wife, boof your wife, whatever. You so, don't boof. Isn't bo I think boofing has something to do with I've, like your pooper. Oh, boffing? I never heard of, oh, boffing, I meant. Ginger. I've never you heard meant of boffing. Yeah, yes, I did. you have. Hang on. Boofing. I've never heard of boof. I meant to say boff. I'm pretty sure boofing has to do with your pooper. Well, definitely not that then. Boofing. Boofing. Common slang used for anal sex in the 1980s. Oh, okay. There was no boofing. 
This episode is going to say there was absolutely no boofing in this no, episode. No boofing was <laughs> was achieved in the making of this episode. So as I said, it's one positive to being sent home. He gets to boff his wife. Thank you. Did I hear correctly? Did she say to him something about him singing? Something along the lines of, you know how you get through to people? I honestly, I don't recall that. Because I thought, oh, well, that's the only, that's the, if if I'm right, if I'm not wrong, then that's the only mention or link or whatever to Roger singing this episode. Because he did not sing this episode, Summer. He did not. He did not. You're right. He didn't sing. But he did, he did a bunch of other <laughs> in this episode. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. That's, that's so, all related to Roger, writing. <laughs> Roger's talk about universities in america at the time that made me think oh my gosh are they gonna are they changing his future quote-unquote calling no spoilers but what and then he's like huh and uh she's like oh my gosh i could teach math and then he's like yeah no and i, I can't say much more because it's a spoiler but i will say i find it intriguing and i'm curious if we see that come back that will be interesting but Bray runs with it like i said she's like we could do that here and roger's like yeah but I made this I made this oath to your dad and I'm committed. That's an echo to her being like, I want to stay as opposed to his. We got to go when we when we know we got to go. And that's my new that's my new rhyme. When you know you got to go. So Jamie and co militia arrive in Hillsborough. Yeah. D- did they like screen cap that? Because I literally was like, I think they're in Hillsborough. No, but that's where they were headed. Okay. Once they've announced who they are, they're welcomed. But the Hillsborough people are like, no, we're not going to help you. (laughs) We're busy quartering those red coats over there. Yes, but before they said all of that, they were like, we don't trust you. I don't know who you are. Um, They tell Jamie that the red coats are in William Reed's Ordinary. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there we meet our second favorite, or maybe not, red coat, Lieutenant Knox. Now, let's see if he still has the hots for Jamie. Well, dude, 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 I know, dude, it's over the top. It's over the top. Like, I thought he was cheating on Lord John later in the episode. It was so over the top. Well, he definitely still has the not hots for Murta. He is the nots. The not. I don't know about that. The not hots, maybe. (laughs) He uses his wanted poster as a knife as for knife throwing practice. And we get an update. The Gov is offering full pardons for everyone except Murta. Well, the Murta, no, the except Murta didn't come till later. That was not mentioned in this scene. They were just like, I intend to pardon everyone. And it wasn't until the chess scene when he's like, everyone but Fitzgibbons. So Knox is again using Jamie as a confessional in their own little corner. Quote, they, and again, this is has, no, I'm not saying Jamie's God, but it had tones or overtones of a confessional because they go off, they go away from the crowd. Because Jamie's they the sit. only one who knows. Well, of course, but I'm saying compared to Claire going to the church, right? right. And all the, all the God stuff, it's kind mm-hmm. of a confessional moment. And so, quote, he tells Jamie, quote, as you know, I've taken a man's life in jail. Hello. That was, conf- he already knew it, but that's a confessional thing to say. It is, but to be honest, what frustrated me about Knox in this scene was just his belief that by finishing the task he was originally set upon, he would be redeemed. So it was like, I won't feel like the th- awful things that I did are worth it 
until I kill McGib- uh, Mc, whatever his name is. Just rename him. It's Fitzgibbons. But- <laughs> Fitzgibbons. Thank you. Um, he doesn't really say he's sorry, but he says he'd hate for it, that to have been in vain. Ish. And then they leave the corner confessional and Knox says, I hope we're still friends. Hmm. Go, go ahead. Get your dagger out. I'd love to be able to confide in you. And by the way, I'm expecting a letter that may help us find Myrta. He'd asked for a letter that included the prisoner's roles at Arzmuir. And I got to say, this, I mean, I didn't, well, I didn't predict what happened. I mean, later on I did, but not right here. But I thought this is really good. I thought that was very good thinking of the writers or production or whoever thought about that. I thought that was a really good way of bringing things to a head, you know? Sure. But to be fair, this is this moment and this whole episode is exactly why I hate that they kept Murta alive. The <laughs> they had to invent to make yeah. it fit into yeah. this episode was so frustrating for me yeah. because I'm you. like, ah, none of this is necessary. And it's not really vital to the actual plot of the storyline because they're inventing it as they go. And none of this, none of these things would have happened at all. It was frustrating. I get it. It was adaptively. I think that they did what they needed to, to adapt it, to keep it going forward. But it was super frustrating, and I know that not everyone's a book reader, but it was super frustrating the amount of hula hoops everyone had to jump through to make Murta vital. This is a great way, as Summer, as, as is reflected, as you can see, as, as reflected in Summer's passionate uh, exposition, this is a great way to help bring things to a head. And so after he says this, and Fergus is there, and he hears it, of course, he says it to Jamie, and Fergus hears, and I thought, oopsie, and Fergus is all... With his eyeballs. Oopsie. Or would Fergus say, le whoops? I don't, is that a French thing? Did you just make that up? Of course I made it up. Don't be silly. Well, then I don't know how French people say whoopsies. <laughs> I made it I'm up. Just saying. I'm like, um. Jamie looks at the poster and is all, dang it, Myrta, why you gotta be like this? Of course, Jamie misses Myrta's face. Do you think he missed on purpose? Ah, uh, yeah. Because I feel like he's not good with the knife. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think that's his vision is clearly not the main issue with that character. But it was like he could have gained points with the militia and with um, the Redcoats by having better aim. So choosing to not have better aim, I don't know if that also gained him points with them thinking I'm better than him or what I don't other than other than I don't feel comfortable putting a knife in my godfather's face. I don't know that he bought himself any favors. So you're going to like this, especially this next part. So now after this, we go back to the 20th century and we're with Claire and we get the line or lines uh, that state or question is time God's eternal web. And then it goes on to talk about this. You make a change here and it goes out to there, blah, 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 blah. And... I wrote, basically, they're saying, you do something here, it affects it down the web, like butterfly effect. And that, I know, is Summer's favorite ugly thing. I say it a lot. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I say it a lot, but I only say it because it's true, and it's a thing, and it matters. Claire's patient, Mr. Menzies, is Scottish. The moment she said Mr. Menzies, I was like, she's going to kill that man. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, He's he's Scottish, and he's, he's a widower, and he reminds her... 
a Jamie in a way. Not just because he's Scottish, but he he kind of tells it like it is. He doesn't pull any punches. And that is legit typically, not typically, it's very, well, I guess it's typical Scottish or at least Glaswegian, right? They, they just, they don't pull any punches and they have a very great sense of humor. Typically, we find out that he needs to have his gallbladder removed and he's a little bit of a flirt. He's Scott. Exactly. And he mentions oh, one more scar. No big deal. And that's another call to Jamie back on the ridge. OK, let's get on with the surgeries. Now we have Mr. Bug is also an assistant. I thought that that was funny. Now, I want to know. Was that glass syringe in Dr. Rawlings' bag of tricks? Because I don't remember her saying that. I don't remember them sh- showing us. No, didn't she have it when she came back? Isn't that what she used for Jamie in the... So it obviously survived the shipwreck. Good Lord. Okay, I, I give up what survived the shipwreck. Shipwreck? Shipwreck. Shipwreck. Is, that is not something they could have found, but it did tell me that they are not going to be yes, improvising yes. A to come. Summer. Yes. They're not going to go certain places. Uh, also, Lizzie helps by holding the lantern. That's about as big as my thumb. That was the stupidest lantern. Oh, and with her eyes shut. And Oh, yeah. And you can clearly see that no light is going anywhere near Girl, her because vision. Because it's as big as my thumb. It's There's no it's something small. Uh, I got to say, I know he can't, it's not, and I'm not saying this because he can't talk, but I do. I think I like the twins. I like Kezi a lot. And I don't mean like I like Tobias. No, get your mind out of the gutter. I just like, I like the actor. I I think they're doing such a, I, they're just doing such a great job. I really like the portrayal of the twins. They're pretty much perfection. Don't you think? Uh, outside of not being 14. Sure. Well, yeah. Uh, duh. He, she does the surgery on Kezi and then Kezi doesn't want to leave until Josiah's done. (laughs) What was so funny, the the way he shook his head like that, there was a part of me that was like, is he shaking his head because he doesn't want to be alone with her? Or is he shaking his head because he doesn't want to leave his brother? And it could be both things, but it was like when Claire was like, take Kezi and go get him because he's got, he's full of like, drugs so go take him to bed <laughs> and put him down so that he can sleep and then i'll finish up with josiah is that his name Ch- josiah and keziah yeah thank you i could not remember his name for two seconds so but there was the moment where i was like is she act is he acting that way because he doesn't want to leave his brother or because he doesn't feel comfortable being alone with lizzie or is it a little bit of both i don't know well back in the first cabin which means Roger and Bree's cabin. More Claire voiceover. More about God the spider or God as spider. Roger is watching Gem and knocks over Bree's jewelry box and he finds the wee gem. Screaming baby. Yes. He's watching Gem and he finds the gem. Gem, it's truly outrageous. Finish it. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. Well, 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 Gem. Yeah, okay. That's not how it goes. Whoa. It does. Gem. She does not get guttural, though. That was a choice. That was a choice you made that was not accurate. (laughs) It was not reflective of what they did, how they executed it. No, but they do go, whoa, Jim, Jim. That one, I would have been okay with that, but that's not what you did. Oh, my gosh. You you went like full on Louis Armstrong on me. (laughs) That was too far. It was fun. Was it? So he recognizes the gem as bonnets. Er-er. Yeah, and they have that whole scene. Here, okay, this was a moment that was perfect in editing. 
a grit, a Because <laughs> because it's different. A grit. A grit, a grit, a grit. You agree with me. So because it made sense because it literally led from, hey, I found this thing to, oh, I remember seeing this thing before. So this editing made sense. The editing that comes later does not. Girl, there is some yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry that this has to be the episode where everyone's going to hate me. I'm curious to what uh, what uh, show only watchers, what their experience is because they it may not be confusing to them because they have nothing to compare it to. But I'm also curious about book readers and see if they also are have any confusion. You can't go from a future, a future back, right? Like, so it's future a flashback, back, but it's yeah. in the future to Jamie. That's what's weird. Because if you go from a recollection of the past future with Claire and you don't go back to Claire, it's weird. Or even Brie. Yeah. Something like that. Somebody who was there, like having it because it doesn't feel like a memory anymore. It's just weird. He recognizes, as you said, it the 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 flashback or whatever. Yeah, this was a flashback. Absolutely fit, of course. And we we didn't see this, did we? We never. This is new. Oh, his his playing cards. Oh yeah, and he hella cheated. He hella cheated. I know. And if he called him out a second time, probably would have been killed. Sure. Yeah. And then he puts it in his mouth, which is in his probably his tooth hole, ugh, his gum hole, whatever. Yuck. <laughs> Note to self: Don't play cards with Bonnet. Now, when Bree returns from mushroom foraging, Roger confronts her about the wee Bobby. I hated this, too. She tells him what happened when he didn't die. She kept the gem for gem. I hate that they have made Roger a fishwife. Huh. They just make him irrationally angry about everything that happens, and he's a turd, and then... And then it follows up with him having to come back and be like, mm, I'm a turd. So sorry. So right as she says that she kept it for Jem, we get little bits of their theme, the Brie and Roger theme, Roger and Brie theme, but it's broken. So rather than da 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 whatever, you get da da and it doesn't like it doesn't even continue. You, you just you have to know the theme to even hear those. If you don't know the theme, it, it wouldn't affect you. But um, I was like, dang. And it's kind of, again, very effective. Bear doing this, not just their theme, obviously, because they're there, but also that it's broken and it's not loving and it's short and it stops when they're having this, you know, disagreement or or not really a fight yet, but they're having this really difficult conversation. And she lets out that she told him, meaning Bonnet, that Jem was his as a comfort because she wanted him to, you know, to go on. And she believed he was going to die. He was supposed to die. And she thought, what, what's the harm? Number one. And number two, it might give him some comfort in, in his dying. And just as she lets this out, we hear, if I'm not mistaken, the ascending line. Don't ask me. Hold on a second. I think, I think what I just sang as da, da, da. That's Frank's name. Yeah, I think it was. I think I got it wrong. Oh, my God. Don't ever quote me as saying that out loud because I will never remember it again. Oh, no, no. It's not. Thanks. No, sorry. I'll, I'll do Frank's theme. <laughs> Frank's theme is da, 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 da. That's yeah, Frank's theme. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. Go okay. Ahead. So what I'm trying to say, I, I, I trust my that. ear. I trust my ear when I watched it and took notes. So as she's telling him that she kept it for Jem, we get little bits of their theme that are broken. And then when she's saying that she told him as a comfort... We get a little bit of Frank's, the ascending line of Frank's theme. We get da da da. 
It doesn't yeah. go down though. Nothing. And why would we you. get Frank? Why would we get Frank's theme when she's telling him this? Well, obviously she's Frank's daughter, raised, and maybe only thing I could think of was that number one, she's in the scene, and number two, it's a as it's a father theme, right? That's her father. Th- that's the only theme associated with the father, or solely with the dude. The thing that ticks me off about this is just they're trying so hard to maintain the issue of PTSD and survivor's remorse and all the things that Bree's been going through since she was violently raped by Bonnet. And then they have Roger who honestly in the book is such a great guy being a tool just to fulfill this place. Like they have him being a tool saying bullshit and then coming back and apologizing. Is that his role now? To be an asshole and apologize for it. That's how it feels to me. And I was so upset about this because I'm he's such a good character in the book, in the books. And I feel like they are doing him a disservice. And I'm sorry for the people who are not book readers who don't agree with me, but that's how I feel. It's a disservice. Well, they're not book readers. They can't disagree with you because they had nothing to compare it to. No, they need but if, to- no, they can't compare it to the book readers. But if they've not read the book and they don't feel like it's a disservice to the character because that's all they've ever seen, then that they absolutely. Summer, they're not. Cap- I'm trying to say is they're not capable. Not this is not about their smarts or their intellect or their anything. They're not capable of making that comparison if they haven't read. So it's not even a fair. It's not even a fair statement. But it is 100 percent what could make them disagree with me. With these moments, so that's why I'm saying if someone has it, watched and read, me. and they still and they they may disagree with you, that is a fair statement. If they have only watched and they haven't read, it's not a fair statement because they're not there. You can't hold if someone doesn't know how how much differently or how he was portrayed in the book. There, you can't ask someone to understand it differently. You're not wrong, but it's really frustrating. I agree to have you. them invent reasons to make Roger have to apologize constantly so roger says or maybe i said something either i wrote it or roger said it and i wrote it but words have consequences brianna maybe it was me so yeah so brianna words have consequences he did say something about that okay so maybe because it was him. because she said he's your kid and he's like your words have consequences and it wouldn't have been a consequence if he'd actually died but he didn't That's so true. there's consequences Back to 1960s, Claire. She's doing her perp time. Uh, the priest, a priest comes up and sits with her and talks with her. He automatically asks if she knew Mr. Menzies. Now, that was an altar up there draped in purple. That was not a casket. No, so I'm wondering. super weird for me because I literally was like, because she was like, I'm back in the church. And they had this whole conversation about her patient who talked about perpetual per- perpetual adoration but there's been no scene where she talked to her patient about About perpetual adoration so i was hella confused confused. and i and i wrote down did he talk about that because i'd only seen it one time when i wrote it down and then later i came back and i was like parenthetically they talk about it later because because it does happen later the priest confirms that the love and devotion between a man and a wife is unmatched. And Claire was reminded of someone, some J person. So Claire says, or sorry, the priest tells her that no one, no one's lost who's not forgotten. And I like that. 
And I have to say, yet again, people have talked about this since season two. Claire's 1960s makeup is redonk. You know what, though? I think it's really dependent upon the angle. Because if her eyes are not shut, it looks amazing. But when she, like, looks down or is not looking directly in the camera or in a way that is 100% showing this makeup routine at its best. It doesn't look awesome. It has its moments. So Roger, after his little tiff, tifferoni with Brie, had camped out that night. And Claire comes upon him the next morning and almost gets shot. But don't worry, he probably would have missed. They chat about, is he out hunting? He's like, you don't believe me, do you? She's like, well, she's not. She, she doesn't believe him. Now, she mentions that she and Frank worked to keep things together and that keep themselves together for Bree's sake. And I got to tell you, I at this point, when it first started the episode, I thought, oh, maybe we will get Frank. Hadn't seen him yet. And for sure, I thought we'd see some Frank. But I was, we did not. I was a little disappointed, but I still like the episode. You should have known there wasn't going to be any Frank. Come on. Well, okay. But the time it's clear that it's post his death. No, but. Well- past his death that's not he's not been like reported at all to be participating so i don't know what that i don't know what that means participating in the episode yeah those things it would be really hard to conceal tobias menzies participating they come on he was in an episode last year and they concealed it i didn't feel like that was too that that much concealed no but, okay, we didn't get any. And Roger is stuck on this, but you lied to Brie thing. And Claire tries to show him what the wisdom in, quote, honesty is not always the best, unquote, policy is. And she says, sometimes the truth really does hurt. Dang it, if that didn't happen to him when he got the truth from Brianna. Hello, Kitty. And while Claire talks here, we again get some of Frank's theme. And she, again, this whole thing about God and time and all this stuff, she says, quote, don't be careless of the time you have together, unquote. Yeah. And that was the big thing is, is him saying, do you regret lying? Mm. And her saying, no, I don't because it wasn't helpful. Well, there's lying and then there's just not saying the truth. Well, there's omission because of realistic reasons and then there's lying and i don't think i don't think she was lying to her to hurt her or to keep her from thinking anything and the moment and to be fair when it became apparent that not lying was the better choice she immediately went with not lying yes correct now roger goes back to brie and it's Jamie and Claire love theme on a clarinet that I hear. So even that. You're so weird. I love you, but you're so weird. And the reason that's interesting is because it's touches of Frank, as far as I'm concerned, with a clarinet. So it's hearing Jamie and Claire love theme. Isn't he an oboe, though? I thought he was a clarinet. He might be an oboe. I thought it was a clarinet. I don't know. I don't. I, I would never claim to know one way or the other. I just feel like oboe was the thing. Roger brings her her mushrooms and he apologizes, but wait, there's more. And you hear dissonance. Legit. He's like, I'm sorry for everything. And she's like, sorry, there's something else. I got to tell like, you one what? more thing. B-Man is still alive. And, and and if you haven't looked at my my sketching journal, he's haunting me. 
I burned them last week. You didn't know, but he's been haunting me. And Mrs. Bug tells he tells she tells him about Mrs. Bug and the Irishman. And it's interesting she doesn't mention the coin because that kind of that may have sealed it. No, I mean, the coin is irrelevant. It could be, but it couldn't be. But it doesn't matter because the bottom line is Mrs. Bug remembered an interaction with an Irishman who messed with their kid. Right. So and and immediately Roger just wants to go. And she also says, it's not just that. Yeah, the one who came, I have no proof. It may or may not have been Bonnet, but others have seen him. And then we get Bonnet's theme. And he says, as soon as, and this is when that line comes, as soon as we know that Jem can travel, we'll we'll go back. And then we get the Roger theme. Which felt like a misstep in that moment, because that's not what she needed to hear in that moment. She's got, she has a lot going on already in a difficult position talking about telling him you know she's like i got one more thing to tell you and he's and he's they're dealing with the aftermath of what she just had to break to him again and now that he's like well okay well once we find this out we're gonna go back and she's like that's not what i was leading to yeah so Um, yeah (sighs) a lot so then we're on to on to back to hillsborough we get a bro chat quote when Knox, okay, tell me, please tell me, please tell me you what you thought or heard or whatever when you heard this line. Quote, those who follow the path of the righteous <laughs> shall have their reward. <laughs> okay, do you want to know what I wrote? I literally wrote it Yes. Down. What I said is, Hamilton just quoted the Bible, but all I can hear is Javert from Les yep, Mis. Yep. Those who follow the path of the righteous shall have their reward. And that, my friends, is the outcome or the result of musical theater. It's brutal. Point is, is like he said it and I was like, are you like, I know it's the Bible. I know that's where it came from. But I also am very familiar with Les Mis. And that also came directly from Les Mis. So Knox says that the militia must disband and they must, he, Jamie, must hand over the muster roll. Huh. So this is how they're handling it. So in the book. There was a wee skirmish, right? So he he got his militia together. They they mustered the role, mustered the people, and they came to. I don't think it was Hillsborough. It may have been, but he he came to a spot where the regulators or a group of people what were there, and they disbanded. And or sorry, they 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 didn't run away, but basically it, it didn't come to anything. The the goal of the militia, the goal of them showing their might, if you will, was fulfilled. They succeeded. They didn't want to kill anyone. They didn't want to have a fight, but they wanted to show their, to, you know, they had to be ready for it. And the best of all possible, all possibilities came to fruition. They, the, uh, the militia disbanded once they saw that the regulators or whoever they were going up against um, didn't either didn't show or they didn't um, go forward with their planned fight, et cetera. So I thought it was interesting that that's what I just expect uh, expected. What I just explained was actually in the book, but I find it interesting that here, while the militia was built and we had Brownsville and everything, they now they're told like, we're not even going to use you. You guys, you're automatically disbanded. Hand over your muster roll. Um, everyone's safe and happy to go home, which is fine. Everyone ends up still safe and not dead. But um, 
it it was an interesting way to kind of like I want to know how when was the decision made to not have a fight because that's a whole lot of muster rolling for nothing if they knew if they knew earlier honestly I feel like they had to hedge their bets for the season and they could really only afford one big skirmish <laughs> you don't mean Knox and Governor Tryon you mean production uh-huh <laughs> I think they had to. I think I think it gets redundant had, if you just yeah, keep if, doing if it over and over again, right? No, that's true. That's funny. Well, they already had a mini one at Brownsville, but yeah, that's I mean, funny. a tar and feathering. No, oh, well, no, 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 no. You're right. I mean, no, Brownsville. Brownsville was the the uh, the other thing. Yeah. So they wanted to get rid of Knox. I don't mean what happened in the episode. I mean at this point, like they don't want they don't want Knox like going on. Like they don't want. A Knox versus Jamie thing coming up. Well, um, from what I wrote down, the governor, and this was a quote, desires to be merciful and just. So his goal was to be like, look at how merciful I am. So we're going we're gonna to let you guys disband. We're going to allow you to stop and prove to you that we are on the right side of history right now by not just murdering you outright, with the exception of Murta, which we find out later. Then we go to 20th century, Claire. Now, her patient... Menzies, Graham Menzies, is or tells Claire, Dr. Claire, that he has to be out by Friday because that's his shift at perpetual adoration. And uh, he says, basically, he started doing that after his wife died, right? And it now brings, we find out. Yeah, he feels, well, it, and that's all that matters. But he feels it brings him, he feels closer to her. It brings her to life for him when she's, when he's there, he says. It does, but this this was the example of the editing issues I had. It connects them, yeah, and uh, loads of Frank's theme right here. That's what I heard. If so you who say so. who exactly who exactly? So that made me think: who exactly is she remembering? Maybe maybe it doesn't have to be one or the other. Obviously, she's remembering Jamie, but there's lots of Frank going in there. Frank has to be fresh. Frank is fresh at this point. That's true. You're right. right. She's she's raw. It's just happened not too um Yeah. In the last year. Yeah. So I mean it's it's fresh. So she's a little bit of a raw nerve. So I'm I'm sure that she but the thing is, is he, you know, when Menzies talks about his wife. She's hearing echoes of not only her marriage to Jamie, but also her marriage to Frank, who just passed. So yeah. she she's mourning all the things. So I wrote, her words say Jamie, but Bear says Frank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I, it could be both. And then on the heels of that, there are hints of the Jamie and Claire love theme. And just to make it even more complicated. <laughs> So then she basically the scene ends and she's like, I'll start you on the penicillin because his test came back negative. Oopsie doodle. Back to the past. Jamie visits Knox's room to drop off the muster roll. This was like so many echoes of Lord John oh, and Arthur. So, so many. Like just uh. The fact that he went to his room one, and then the chessboard was out. Play a game of chess with me. I haven't had a good game of chess in a while, and you're the only one who's ever beat me. And I was just like, I said, is he cheating on Lord John right now? What is happening? And then um, 
I was like, chess game? I thought those were reserved for Lord John. And then there were moments where I was like, are they going to do it? What's happening right oh, now? Summer. Okay, so you just dumped a teensy bitzel. So he basically, I wrote, so Jamie, don't you know when you visit a man's bedroom alone at night? Dot, dot, I dot. mean, it does and send then, a specific kind of impression. I'm, I'm just saying. And we know how Jamie felt or how he reacted, at least, uh, to uh, Lord John's initial um overtures and then to top it all off as summer said Knox asks about so how about a game of chess seriously <laughs> you know where this leads people more flirting can we talk about the wallpaper in that room oh i totally was I, it not did, did you see, see it, it? Nope. it was ah oh, it was gorgeous it reminded me of you know um our house in the that, 80s no not even a little bit you know how <laughs> the um the blue and white, like, not tool. It's like T-O-I-L-E or whatever. Tool? It's like, yes. It was like that, but black. Black oh. on white. And it was just like oh. kind of like a countryside kind of – it was it was gorgeous. I was like, uh, yes, please. And as they're playing chess – uh, Knox says that he envies Jamie, soon to be home, be- and uh, being a regular citizen. And then he makes the mistake of saying, but I intend to keep pursuing Myrta. Hardcore. With my whatevers. Claire, 20th century. Her patient <sighs> died. Editing, man. A lot of back and forth. Menzies but, dies. But, but this is what I'm talking about. This is how it didn't make sense, because showing a... A future flashback to Claire interspersed with Jamie and what's his past name? present with Knox was weird and jarring and it didn't connect. It was it felt really disjointed and hard to follow. Maybe there's something there that we don't understand yet. Maybe in the after show, whatever thingy, not our after show, which, by the way, you can join us Sunday evenings. I I am wondering if they have had some plan that we just didn't get. I don't know. I'm willing to I'm willing to be schooled on this. I, well, I the just, thing, yeah. The thing is, is they didn't outside of the surgery, there was not a lot of Claire in this episode that was in mm. the present past, the past present. Yeah. So that's true. It was more in the sixties. Yeah. So I mean most of it, it but then it didn't make sense because my whole feeling is that if all of the her sixties experiences that they showed were to explain why she was so um, hesitant to do the penicillin or why she was so concerned that it could be an issue. I don't think they should have kept it going. You reach a point where you're like, just be done with that. Because if you intersperse it, because they ran out of past present. Hmm. And then all they had past present was Jamie and Knox, which just got weird when they were trying to intersperse it with Joe and Claire and Menzies and everyone in the church, dude. I mean, it just, it didn't feel right to me. Huh. Well, when her we find out her patient dies, she's upset, obviously, as any doctor would be. He died of anaphylaxis shock, and she's upset that she wasn't notified. <laughs> and she throws a fit in the waiting yes, area. Yes, she does. And then we go straight to some, like, dive bar. I don't know, some little place where cocktails are had. 
and she's there, and Doctor Joe. Comes that was to unexpected. See her. I, you know, I felt like I felt like it was gonna happen when they showed the preview for the episode, like last time, previously on Outlander, and they showed him there. I was like, well, I can't believe they'd show him without him without actually him coming back. Be, excuse me, being in the episode, but it was still yeah. kind of an unexpected delight. And that's yeah, I that's yeah. So if we don't get Frank, I'm glad we had Doctor Joe. So happy he's back. And I know we saw it in the beginning and I didn't say anything. I don't think. I think I kept it for now. I was so, this is where at first I almost cackled and then I again got tears because this is, as Summer said, I thought the episode was really great, but as some, I agree with Summer 100% because this is just a fact. There's so much in here for book readers, book readers, for book readers. It's almost laughable. There's so much. The impetuous pirate means Jing, ding dong jiggle woggle to a, a show watcher. They're going to say, okay, what's the, it's a book. No, it's legit. The same book mentioned in mm-hmm. book two or three, yeah. whatever it was. Like it was nice as an Easter egg to see it come back. But at this point it was almost like, okay, I get it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that for us. However, for the people in the back who didn't read the books, this is literally just for book readers. That I'm was just it. happy it was they found a copy. <laughs> um, I mean, they or, you had know, to make it. could have even been fake. They could have even I'm faked sure it. it was completely fake and they just made one. But it was in the title card. It was in the title card. Yeah. So we knew it was coming. Yeah. And uh, we, so Dr. Joe, or so one of them mentioned it, but they talk about the impetuous pirate, and we he says that he's the one who put it in the surgeon's lounge. Mm-hmm. And I had tears here. I was like, this is so much. And she asks him whether he thinks sometimes you feel pulled towards something, like, in your life, and maybe, like, you're, you feel lost or not, like, what, like, you don't know what you should do because you feel pulled in, in a certain direction. And mm-hmm. he says, the problem is not in the head, but rather with the heart. Back in the 18th, we're back with the bros. Knox, oh my gosh. Had he says, had we gone into battle, there's no man I'd rather have on my side. Seriously, I thought they were gonna do it. I'm telling you, I'm proven right over and over and over again. His bro infatuation with Jamie is huge. Jamie's all, um, okay, that's kind of you. <laughs> like, like you're gonna word. I only like the Punani. Oh, Summer. You're gonna kill the mood, Knox, if you keep harping on Fitz. I'm gonna on Fitzgerald Fitzgibbons yeah and then an important document is delivered it's the Ardsmuir prison roll after Culloden awkward Jamie's like before you open that I gotta tell you something (laughs) but here's the thing why he didn't need to do that and there's no guarantee that Hamilton or Knox Knox Hamilton Knox yes Yes. would have known that he was from Brock Turok correct without him saying it so him putting that out there was like a gimme like a no it was just like okay i need to give myself an excuse to now murder this dude because that's what happens like i I felt like that whole section was moderately unnecessary i'm not saying that hamilton didn't need to go to protect Murta, who didn't need to be there anyway (laughs) so in their in their effort to continue the fitzgibbon storyline they had to do something to make Murta safe for now right exactly for now so and in doing that they created this thing and when it started going down like i legitimately legitimately was like what 
am I watching right now? What is happening? It was weird. Because this is not. Now, here's the thing. Jamie Fraser is not above killing people to save the ones he loves. But this came off as weird because it wasn't necessary because he could have walked away. Because he clearly gave him all the outs. He was like, well, I'm sure you're not the only James Fraser to ever exist in Scotland. So if I find your name on the roll, who's going to say anything? Right? So he kind of gives him the out, and he just keeps driving this point home that, no, it's me. I'm on the roll. That's me. And now I got to kill you. So Jamie spits this out, like, super quickly. He's like, and I'm from Brach Tuarach. And thus, Knox's boy crush is killed. And... Also, he was heartbroken. Murta is his, he totally was, Murta is his godfather. Knox is all, no! He no. understands it all. You were the one who released the men in Hillsborough. You were the one who sat there and defended blah, 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 blah. Now he signed, Knox has signed his own death warrant. Jamie, they, they, they wrestle, struggle, whatever. Jamie struggles him, struggles him, strangles him. Throws the prison rolls in the fire, closes the flue, and puts Knox in bed. Now, the music... I I wrote down, I was like, he seriously thinks he's going to arrest Jamie Fraser? Like, does he not watch the show? Because no one (laughs) does that, except for Blackjack. The music during, quote, I would never break my word, that's what Knox says, is horns, which is thematic for soldiers. It's over and over and over again, like Lord John's theme is, is, (laughs) is horny. Lord John's theme uh-uh. is uh, full of horns. Every time we get a a theme or a, I wouldn't call this Knox's theme, but it's a soldier's theme, an English soldier's theme. People in uniform, English uniform or red coat uniform, they get this something with horns. And so at least that's the instrumentation. And so it's, you know, it's, it's sad. Don't get me wrong. So Jamie is still trying to reason with him. Now, Summer, let me guess. And you've already kind of explained it, but let me, let me read what I wrote. Summer, let me guess this part of the episode. Is this part of the episode that that pissed you off? Uh, for sure. Okay. I I felt that this was an unnecessary murder. It was a murder. It was not a justified killing to yeah. save people. It was he could have walked his way out of that and and Knox gave him plenty of opportunities to walk away from it. But the need for him to reach the point where the only way out of it was to murder him? Yeah. I thought was weird and out of character. And I'm not saying that Jamie won't kill to save those that he loves, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to. So there's, as he's dying, you get more dissonance. And then Jamie and then he asks, refuses to close his eyes for an exceptionally wow. long time. Jamie asks for forgiveness for, after he's got dead, for not have giving, having given him a soldier's death. He locks the door and does the stuff. He locks the door before he undresses him and everything. Oh, he undresses him and takes him to bed, but not in the way Knox imagined. And I literally wrote, I dearly hate the Murta (laughs) storyline. Like right now, I dearly hate it. And I wrote in all caps, this is what happens when you let Murta live. Like like just the sheer volume of 
BS they had to do to justify the BS they had to do. I was just like, uh, yeah, none of these things were like remotely necessary. What the hell? Okay, we're getting to the better part. So when Jamie, when he was all done, he was about to take off. He went, he took that muster roll back, and he <laughs> that was a huge like binder. When he tried to put it in his coat, I was like, I wonder how many takes they did because that almost didn't fit. <laughs> Go back and just watch one it. good it's, one. Just one good comical. one. And then he escapes through a window onto the roof. Hello, season two, Bonnie Prince Charlie. Mm. Then he as he's a, out, he does a lot of like lingering in windows. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's well, yeah. And then is where I cried. Truly, I uh, I mean, kinda. I wrote "F me, tiny kitty." We meet Adso. Adso, like so quickly. I literally wrote. I, I <laughs> you know, this is what it says. I dearly hate the Myrta storyline, dot, dot, dot. But kitten! That was what I wrote. So he Fer- he finds Fergus, and he he and Fergus take off with the horny thematic music accompanies the body of Knox. So they look back, and Knox's body has been brought out, and um, they look back, and they see him, and Jamie's like, yeah, we got to go. He's and super lucky that that worked. I know. Because a lot of people try to strangle people, and it doesn't work. <laughs> Tell me about the people trying to strangle people, Summer. I'm just saying, like, putting all of your... Like, he didn't even stick around to make sure that the strangling stuck. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, you... I mean, you don't hear all the time. That's kind of an overstatement as well. But it's like you've seen... I don't hear any time. I mean, he he strangled him until he stopped moving. That doesn't mean he was dead. It just means he stopped moving. Now... He happened to also be dead, but there was no guarantee that that was the case. So, I mean, I don't know. I read a lot of books and people come back from just that. Back on the ridge. Did you have a problem with him getting off the horse like that? Uh, I'm just used to it. No. It only bothered me because that was he slid down the horse on the same side he was carrying the kitten. And I was very oh. concerned that he was going to squish the kitten in between him and the saddle for the horse. Uh, well, it's Hollywood magic. But so. he didn't have a problem with it then. But then when he hugged Claire, apparently hugging Claire was, was way much. more aggressive. <laughs> don't hug me too hard. Even though I just tried to squish the kitten between me and the saddle, don't hug me hard because there's a kitten. Back on the ridge, as they're driving, yeah, as they're driving up, as they're riding up on their horses. Uh, or at least Jamie is. We Claire is in her garden, and I actually wrote Claire is in Malva's garden. But uh, didn't you? Is it? Am I wrong? Or is this the first time? Even though it wasn't a hundred percent shot of view of the whole garden, this is the biggest look we've gotten at the garden, isn't it? I think so. Last it's season, really nice. Last season, we saw not this her- garden. No, no, no. But she was inside of a gate, a gated little oh, thing. with like hanging things and yeah. I mean, she was fancy, she was kind fancy. of in the garden, but we haven't seen the big house garden yet. And obviously, yeah. the big house garden is much bigger than the little cabin, little thingy. garden. So, love the garden. The, I love that the music swells when they meet, of course, and it's their love theme, of course. And add so, I can't. This cat is the cutest thing ever. And he's like, I got you this cat. I found him. Da, 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 da. I got you this cat. He can help with the vermin in your surgery. And but only she's after like, you take care of him because he was crying for his mother. 
Yes. Now she she says they'd have to be very small vermin. Mm-hmm. And Hill says he says he'll grow. I mean, that's what cats do. Straight from the book. 20th century, back where we started. Bree and Claire walking to lunch. Uh, and as they're walking, Claire invites Bree to join her in London that summer. Please, Bree, I need you. She's already requested a leave of absence from work. Now, in the book, this is what someone I talked about, almost, I think, at the top or near the top. In the book, she did have a leave of absence, but I don't know that she was that she requested it. I think she was. It, I think, it, I think was, it was put up on I her. I think it was implied that it was time, that she yeah. should take some time. Exactly. Uh, what you do with that time is up to you. Well, here she, here, she, here she requested it. And that's fine. It doesn't change. Everything else comes out, so it's all good. Back on the ridge. Oh my gosh, the baby, I cannot. And also, I just wrote down, love Claire's hair. I, I just don't, just the way it looked, like from the back, the side, I don't even know. And Jamie says, I have much to tell you about Hillsborough. But first, I have much to tell you of the man I killed. Oh Lord, the whole thing. But, and then she shares about Graham Menzies and how much she owes him. This is what I said earlier too, how much she owes him and how she's just now been putting together all the things that she's learned or that happened that came to be because of his death and, and the gift of uh, the gift that he gave her, you know, while he was still alive, but of the whole experience. Um, and she says, she tells him, welcome home soldier. And then we get a picture of the kitty baby drinking its milk. And then the show ends. The episode ends with 20th century Claire saying, Someday I will stand before God and I will receive answers to all my questions about everything in his universe. And I do have many questions, but I won't ask about the nature of time. I've lived it. So yeah, I probably had tears three, four or five times. I did not. I know you're a robot. I know. I know. But I mean, a lot of times I was just going like, what is happening right now? It was, it was strange. I just personally... It would have been less jarring if every Claire flashback was bookended with a Claire forward back. You know what I mean? Or forward present or back present, whatever you want to call it. The point is, is like whatever her present time Claire led into Claire. Yeah, because it was weird to lead from 1960s Claire to Jamie constantly. And I'm like, what is And I'm curious. I'm curious if it was just like an interesting tourist or if they had a reason for it. Maybe they'll let us know. In that after show, whatever they do. Either way, that was episode 505. Join us next week when we will be discussing episode 506 entitled, hold please. Da, 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 I know, it's da, awful. Entitled, Better to Marry Than Burn. And of course, if you'd like to join us to continue the conversation, please go to www.outlanderpod.com slash group. Again, a very special thanks to co-producer of this episode, Jillian G. To find out more about how you can support us on Patreon, visit outlanderpod.com slash Patreon. And don't forget, there are still a few spots left on our Pod Abroad tour in 2021. You can find out all the deets at podabroad.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to our next episode. 
Thank you to our generous partner, Zencaster, who offers high-fidelity podcasting. Check out Zencaster and use coupon code OUTLANDER20, OUTLANDER20, for 20% off three months or 20% off for a year. Connect with us. Visit our website at outlanderpod.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash outlanderpod. We'd love for you to join our Facebook community at outlanderpod.com slash group. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at outlanderpod.